outside of India and welcome to Machan Visit the World podcast. I've been lucky enough to be studying at a university in Moscow with students from across the world. I want to use this opportunity to learn more about the different peoples through their stories. Join me on this journey across the world through stories told by the people that have lived them. With me, you're Machan. That means bro in South Indian languages. I hope you learned something new with me today. Hola a todos, estamos de regreso en Sudamérica, esta vez con Argentina. So again, if I'm trying to speak Spanish, we know we are in Latin America and with me we have Pablo from Argentina. Pablo, welcome. Hello everyone, how are you? Oh, well, the thing about Pablo is he's got the most kick-ass, badass Latin American name, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> and, um, well... When I first met him, he was in the library and I was doing this article on um, the football scene in Argentina. Right. Coincidentally, and our friend uh, Christian introduced us. Christian, yeah. Yeah, Christian from the Chile episode. And he is a big fan of CARP, that is Club Atletico River Plate. Yeah. And he's from Buenos Aires, the capital of Argentina. And that's a big problem because both of us, if we start talking about football, this podcast is going to be all about football. <laughs> yeah. So we have to be really careful. Of course. In Argentina, not to, to talk about football, is that's difficult. I know. <laughs> Especially with everything me. Everything is related to football. Every, football is everything. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with me, because that's the first thing I talk with Latin Americans, is the football, yeah. all the time. And that's most of our conversations <laughs> at football. There are other issues also. Yeah, other issues too. But we'll try to keep it very neutral this time, not go too much into football. I'll do my best. I'll do my best too. Both <laughs> of us are very culpable of talking to us about football. So we'll try to be at our best behavior for this. And uh, he is also a student of international relations, doing second years in his master's, and he's studying in Russian. So how has Russia been for you, Pablo? Russia, cold, I would <laughs> say. In every manner. I mean, not only the weather, also the people. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would say cold, but I just have this opinion because I used to, of course, compare with my own country. So I guess we are maybe too nice. That's too why nice? Think, yeah, maybe. Mm. That's why I think maybe everyone else is colder than us. Oh, okay. So that's why I think, but I've, I've met other people from, people from other countries and they are not as cold as Russians have been. With mm. us. I don't know. But everything is cool here in Russia, despite that. I don't know. And, and how has studying in Ruden been? Again, international. My last guest was also from international relations, and he yeah. had a really good opinion about the environment in Ruden. What, what's your opinion on that? It's great. I mean, at first I was at Balfak, and it was, of course, challenging. Mm-hmm. Because the language is not easy, right? Yeah, but I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a shock. But then you realize the teachers are great, of course. But when you realize there is people from all over the world, the last thing you do is speaking Russian with them. Yeah. So you, you yeah you just take your English out from somewhere. And yeah. I mean, the first year was like that. I was trying to speak Russian every time I could. Uh-huh. It was also difficult to do it, but... And... Um, so the Padfak here, you were learning Russian. 
And you told me that in back at home you studied English and Portuguese. Yes. Oh, what, what was that like? So you have like quite a number of languages that you can really handle uh-huh. well because your English is really good. Really? Yeah. Oh, I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, not to be patronizing, but I think your English is really good. And how has learning Portuguese been for you since you already speak Spanish? Portuguese. Yeah. I mean, Portuguese is like Spanish, but it differs phonetically mm-hmm. a little bit. It's a bit more complicated than Spanish. Spanish mm. is more like, let's say, nitty, like structure mm. in sounds. Portuguese is a little bit complex. In the, it is, in fact, it is easier for them to understand Spanish uh-huh. than for us to understand Portuguese because they speak like uh, with a lot of sh sounds and she and she and uh. it changes so the thing with Spanish is that you know the sound of a letter that letter sound that way when you read it right that's not the case in Portuguese. oh okay so there are a lot of of letters that change its sound depend on the position right, right. kind of like Russian in a way yeah with the Yes, and the A's, exactly. the O, and the O, yeah, yeah. And since I'm learning Spanish right now, so so for people who don't know, I'm trying to learn Spanish, and I'm learning by talking to all these South Americans in Rudin, and it's really kind you of confusing. Well. Oh, thank Actually. you so much. <laughs> I try my best. So the thing is, all the South American countries have their idiosyncrasies. And one of the interesting things about the way Pablo speaks is that there is a high level of Italian influence in the Spanish spoken in Argentina, especially Buenos Aires. And we will talk about that story, how the whole immigration thing and the Spanish thing came into it. So the observation that I made is that you guys say ch a lot when you speak Spanish. So, for example, let's say I'm saying yo, yo estoy, that means I am, you guys say Show story. Show story. So <laughs> when, I'm, when I listen to him, first time I listen to him, I was like, okay, what's he saying? Even though I'm trying to speak Spanish, I feel kind of like, this ain't Spanish, the way I'm learning it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it's, the one I listen to is like, um, I told you, uh, Spanish Spanish. or uh, From Spain. Yeah, Iberian Spanish. So there are a lot of differences. And even when I spoke, speak to um, Latin Americans, ella becomes ella. Yeah, right. Yeah, and... It's really confusing when you're learning it. And if I ask everybody, anyone, they say, learn my Spanish. Fuck what the other guys are saying. Yeah, yeah. Especially Chile. <laughs> Chile is one of the most difficult to, uh, yeah. to understand, even for us. Yeah. Sometimes, as Christian, for example, he speaks with uh, Fidel. Uh, Fidel, and I barely understand sometimes <laughs> what does it mean, uh, that word you use. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's the rich Spanish language. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a huge huge area right so it can't be standard standardized yeah so i don't know it's cool for me yeah and what how has international relations experience been for you in what what are you specializing on in your masters do you have any special areas of interest in ir yeah i was trying to first of all learning russian was my my first go mm-hmm. and to speak freely like fluently mm-hmm. uh, I'm doing my best <laughs> <laughs> all of us are uh, yeah. <laughs> but I guess I'm doing well uh, and then I was trying to establish here I'm sorry? establish here like live in Moscow uh-huh. try to find some job uh-huh. at the 
embassy maybe i don't know uh-huh. but the area especially uh, the area i would like to improve is like um trading trade uh, between russia and argentina oh, our okay. relations are growing uh-huh. especially since uh 2007 okay so, what yeah. happened in 2007 and there was a political change okay. in and there was a problem with the western countries uh-huh. and the western way of uh, understand economy sounds Let's like say. a socialist became your yeah, prime minister yeah. some people in argentina will say that mm, okay so this government just changed completely the structure of Argentinian foreign relations uh-huh. and start looking to other, other partners yeah dude so China became a special trading partner and Russia also they would trade with India man we have more messy uh, fans than any other country I guess they are, they are trying to to establish <laughs> yeah in, England, in India Argentina trade that would be dude I'll show you a lot of things about how Argentina is idolized in India I'll show you that mm. a little bit later on. Right. And um, the thing about Argentina is that there are so many different provinces, each with their idiosync- idiosyncrasies. So could you tell about your province? You're from the capital, Buenos Aires. Yes. Could you tell me what makes Buenos Aires awesome? Because I already, since I did that article, I know a lot. So I just want you to give your picture Buenos of it. Buenos Aires is a huge city. Is I guess as big as Moscow. Really? And almost the same population, around 17 million people. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is, we say, the uh, administrative uh, administrative unity, Buenos Aires, huh. which is the capital. Okay. But the city ah, yeah. is bigger. Yeah. It exceeds it. Yeah, I understand. And the, let's say, the ring around the capital city, mm-hmm. which belongs to the city actually, and uh, belongs to the province of Buenos Aires. So okay. you have the city of Buenos, Buenos Aires, Aires and the province, province of Buenos, Buenos Aires. Aires. Okay. That's Buenos Aires place. means good air. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> That's a strange name for a city. Good air. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a part of the real name. I don't know which is the true name of the city. It's too long. But it's something oh, It's like a short-term version, Buenos Aires. Yeah, it was a it's oh. too long to remember, actually. But it okay. was something like Santissima Trinidad de la Virgen del Bonaire, or something like that. You named a poem after this. You yeah. named a city after a poem, <laughs> didn't you? <laughs> wow. And Buenos Aires is located on Rio de la Plata. No, Rio, yeah. Rio de la Plata. Rio de la Plata. Rio de la Plata, which translates to River of Silver. Silver. Yeah. And the silver is quite... How do you... Pr- uh, uh, prominent in the name of Argentina too because I believe Argentum is like Latin or Greek yeah, for it's sil- Latin yeah. it's Latin for silver and that's kind of how Argentina got its name right right what I think that? there was a legend from the Spanish the Spaniards heard from uh, natives mm-hmm. about a mountain of silver like El Dorado that's like yeah. mountain of that's gold that's why they call the river Rio de la Plata, Rio de la Plata. Right. that's why they tried to, f- to find this mount. Uh, I actually, I think they actually found it, but now it's located in Bolivia. I think it's what Potosí, right? Potosí? That's where Spanish extract. Uh, oh, silver. Silver. Oh. Yeah. Okay. It belonged 
to the uh, vice royalty of Rio de la Plata. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's let's say the ancestor of, uh, yeah, Argentina. It was from like the modern Argentina, Uruguay, Bolivia, Paraguay. Oh, so this was all Every, one yeah, Spanish one principality. Realm. Yeah, one realm, uh, vice royalty. Oh. Then it got uh, split. Split. So. But, yeah. So I always have this question because Uruguay is like this small province, and Argentina is like this giant country. Uh-huh. But Uruguay still maintains its autonomy and is like a different country, even though it's very similar. And I think Montevideo is like opposite bank of Buenos <laughs> yeah, Aires, right? Yeah, yeah. Because Rio de la Plata, if you on the if you look at the left bank, it's Montevideo, mm-hmm. and on the right bank, it's uh, Buenos Aires. If right. I'm not mistaken, you're right. So what was the Spanish? No, why was Uruguay kept a separate nation and not? What what makes Uruguay a separate what nation? Happened? Yeah. Oh. Well, it's a difficult and complex and complex question because it's I, I have to get political. Okay, uh, <laughs> we are gonna get political. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <I> <laughs> so this is a, the thing uh, when Spanish Spaniards uh, lost the colonies in America, mm-hmm. the American people just tried to form their own governments, right? Okay. So the vice royalty, for example, of the Rio de la Plata. Mm-hmm. It was one country. The capital was Buenos Aires. Mm-hmm. Buenos Aires tried to keep uh, the unity of the territory. Okay. But they couldn't. So every country tried to maybe, I don't know, try to find uh, their own way, maybe unite to another country uh-huh. or get independent. I don't know. Okay. The thing is, after the... Spaniards were beaten. The vice royalty continue as the uh, Provincias Unidas del Rio de la Plata, United Provinces of Rio de la Plata. Some kind of USA from South America. Right? Oh, okay. We actually took uh, American Constitution to make our own. You mean the, not Argentina, but the predecessor of Argentina? Yeah. Argentina actually didn't exist. Uh, uh, okay, in, at that point. Uh, it was a name we got, uh, we started to use after the revolution, but the you mean point the is... revolution as in the fight for independence against yes. Spanish? Okay. That's when the Argent- Argentina name uh, okay. became to use by people, but like in an informal way, mm. not official. Okay. Right? Like Argentina, like the land of, let's say, I don't know, like maybe in America, you say New England. Uh-huh. It is not an actual country. It's not an actual region. It's like some kind of historic historical region, maybe. Okay. So the point is, the United Provinces tried to form a republic, uh-huh. and the United Provinces inherited the problems Spaniards had with Portuguese in Brazil. And what was the problem? Uh, uh, Granitzi. Oh, okay. like the border dispute. Yeah, the border. Okay. Territorial dispute. So the Brazilians tried to get to the Rio de la Plata to have a show. Mm. So once they invaded Uruguay, which is called Uruguay, then it was called Banda Oriental, which means the uh, Eastern Eastern Shore. Eastern Shore. Right. So for me. Uruguay or Banda Oriental was the 
nucleus of the Argentina of that time. Even more than Buenos Aires? Yes, because this is the thing. When we were trying to build the Republic, there were two projects. Uh-huh. One was a federalist project, okay. and the other was a unitarian one. Okay. The unitarian was defended by Buenos Aires. They wanted to make a unitarian country, something like well, like Chile today, right? Santiago dominates Chile, and uh-huh. it's the center of the power, right? Right. But or Moscow and Russia, can exactly, yeah, you kind of like that, okay? But Uruguay was the the main part of the federalist United idea. provinces. Ah, right? The idea of having a federalist yeah. province for the entire right. region. Okay. So when uh, these problems arose, there were two ways. Buenos Aires way or Montevideo way. Ooh. So there were kind of rivalries there. Uh, okay. So this is what happened. Uh, the Brazilians invaded Uruguay, uh-huh. so that was convenient to Buenos Aires. Ah, it's like uh, the competing ideologies like invaded. Right. So the other provinces that were uh, weaker, let's say that way, because they didn't have ports to the Atlantic, right. they were Mediterranean provinces, uh, poor. They they were defended by Uruguay their interest. Uruguay was like the voice of these provinces which wanted federalism. Okay. So when Brazilians invaded, that voice was shut. Ah. And Buenos Aires took advantage of it uh-huh. and just built the country they wanted. Wow. Right. So what happened? Argentina went to war against Brazil. Uh, Military speaking, they win. They won the war. Mm-hmm. But diplomatically, they lost because there was there wasn't enough resources. Mm. So they they had to to come to an agreement, and the agreement was the one that Great Britain offered, which was make Uruguay independent. Dude, this is like this is like Taiwan, isn't it? It is. It is kind of like Taiwan. (laughs) It's kind of I know because. If you look at the situation of Taiwan, it's like all the there was the communist and the nationalist yeah, yeah. fighting it's against the same country and two ideologies. Exactly, and exactly. And the ones that lost just went to Taiwan, became right. the nationalist pro West part of or part of China, and it's kind of the same for yeah. Uruguay. Well, you, if you see in Argentina, the literal provinces of Argentina, those which are located north of Buenos Aires, mm-hmm. they are more like Paraguay. Uruguay. Oh, more like Uruguay. Yeah. What do you mean more like Uruguay? In what sense? Uh, the people, the idiosyncrasy of, of the people, the architecture, uh-huh. uh, the way of life, let's say. But even they drink more mate than us. <laughs> That's, yeah. Okay, we'll introduce Martin in a second. But do you know what's interesting for me? Because all, for me, all of you guys are like, all of the people in, all, all, let's say all of the founders of these Spanish colonies are kind of the same people, aren't they? Yeah. So how did those idiosyncrasies... I asked the same question to Chile. I didn't quite understand the answer, to be honest. How did South America become so many different countries when it was the same people that colonized all of it? With the exception of Brazil 
and Guyana, the French colonies and the Portuguese colonies and English colonies, forget those, but the Spanish colonies, it was basically the same people who colonized the entire place. And how did the different countries develop from this one big colony? Because I'm really bad with Latin American colonial history. You got to help me out with that. Yeah, I, I have to get political again. Ek, dabai. Let's see. Uh, after independence, the political classes that ruled after uh, Spanish rule, mm-hmm. they tried to build their country, the country they wanted. Right. Mm-hmm. So what happened? They tried to, uh, let's say, they send their children to study in France, okay. for example, okay. or to Britain. And they brought those ideas from these countries with capitalism, liberalism, uh, economic liberalism, political liberalism, mm-hmm. the spirit of that time, right? Okay. So they tried to build also an, a national identity and by definition a national identity for a determined country meant to be something different from our neighbors. Exactly. That's why, for example, especially for countries like Argentina, which are, in fact, countries of immigration, immigration like USA, Australia, right. Canada, uh, education was their tool to build this identity. Education in the sense, making sure... The National inter- education, like, yeah. Like making sure the majority of the population educated. Is that what you mean by that? Yes. In one hand... And on the other hand, to build the Argentine man, let's say. What is an Argentine man? It, it always depended on the time, I guess. After independence, it was like kind of liberal. Uh-huh. And, yeah. So, so you want to like differentiate the idea of an Argentine from the rest of the other Spanish-speaking countries in yeah, South America? These countries try to... To build a nationality, how do you justify exactly. you are a country, independent country? Especially when most of the people are yeah. immigrants. And they make they made a huge effort in that sense. Because, for example, you have countries like Argentina and Uruguay. They are so similar in culture, but when it comes to political and economic uh, spheres, they differ completely. Liberals are more... Uruguayans are more liberal than Argentines. Argentines tend to be more socialist in some way. Really? Yeah. Mm. Or more state-dependent. Right. Uh, Uruguayans are, like, completely Uh, Libertarians. Yeah. Free market. So, if a conversation doesn't get political, you won't be able to differentiate a Uruguayan from an Argentinian. Mm. That's what I think. That's what happened to me. Interesting. And what about the other countries? How did they, so? Uh, as, as, as how I understood, Spanish, they left. Mm-hmm. Lot of Spanish colonies were there. Each wanted to form its own sense of national identity. Yeah. And, and at the same time, it meant to reject Spanish heritage. You know mm. what I mean? For example, in Argentina, they they brought these ideas from England and France because it was the future. Ah, and okay. our past was like disturbing us. Okay. That's what people actually thought at uh, that time. There are books about it. Was this exclusively Argentine or did other Latin American countries also want to reject all, the... all of them tried to do the same, but Argentina had an advantage. It was a rich country. Mm. A rich country. And 
there was a project from the state to bring people from abroad. Right. So uh, it was part of the same bringing that huge amount of people that were foreigners. Right. It destroyed the Argentinian Spanish heritage. Intentionally? Intentionally. Oh. They wanted to yeah, eliminate that. It was kind of yeah, racist, let's say. Against the Spanish cultural yeah. heritage. Yeah. So can I ask you a question? Then why was the Spanish language preserved? Because that's like the most important aspect of the colonial legacy. Yeah, it was actually an issue that was discussed in the parliament in that time to change to English. It really? Was, yeah. To English? It didn't come up, but it was like a project. Actually, after the independence, Argentina was kind of an, uh, another, uh, let's say, colony of the United Kingdom. What do you mean by that? Colony because Kingdom. everything was English. The railroads, uh-huh. the board, the banks, everything. Can I just add one yeah. thing? I'm going back to football again. Because and football. And football. Because, dude, like, I saw so many South American clubs with English names. For example, Boca Juniors. Yeah. That's an English name. And River Plate. River Plate. It, it's Rio La Plata, but you may name it yeah. River Plate because English names had more prestige in that time, if I'm well, not mistaken. English Be- immigrants were a huge number of them came. And they built their social institutions. Not only their ideas, but also they build social clubs like mm. we played they became after that uh, sports club mm-hmm. but it was an English uh, way of life mm. the, there are a lot of clubs in Argentina social clubs uh, sports clubs all kind of clubs and the sports culture it was brought by the English so you're saying that you have to thank the English for Lionel Messi in a way aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> God, that's really interesting. Yeah. And what? So, what about the Italian immigration? From what I read, I think around forty percent, or even more, of all. Yeah. I think all Argentinians can trace some part of their lineage to Italy. Can yes. you? I can. My mother, she, her surname is Pernigotti. Pernigotti doesn't get more Italian yeah. than that. <laughs> it clearly is not Spanish, right? Yeah, it's not Spanish. Which yeah. do you know which part of Italy she's from? From the Piemont. Where is that? North Italy. Lombardy? In the border, uh, next to Lombardy. Genoa? No, I'm not sure. Genoa is next to Lombardy. North of Genoa. North of like Genoa. Uh, in the border with Switzerland ah. and France. Okay. Yeah. So, so she was a first generation or did her father also come from Italy? Uh, yeah, all of them are Italian. Ah. I'm the first Argentinian. From its side. Ah, side. Yeah. okay. So that means it wasn't. It wasn't. It was kind of recent. I mean, it wasn't the eighteen fifties or. No, it was late, nineties. Ah, interesting. And that's the thing. So Christian pointed out to me because I didn't know this Italian part. Then he asked me, "Go check the Argentine football team and lead the last names of all the players, and you can see the Italian <laughs> yeah, influence." Yeah. I was like, "Okay, Mascarano, that's yeah, yeah. that's Italian." Messi. Messi, that's Italian. Higuain, is that Italian? No, I think it's Arabic. Maybe. What? Arabic? Yeah, I don't know. Higuain. That's Arabic? 
maybe it's Arabic, maybe Turkish. I don't know. Okay, dude, you can so check. Okay, you fact check that. And um, who else? Mm. Bilia. Bilia. Yeah. That, that's Italian. Also Italian. Okay. Mm. Marcos Rojo, but Rojo. Rojo is Spanish. Rojo is Spanish. Yeah. Alessandro is Italian. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Davis. No, Spanish. That's Spanish. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Who else? Who else? Maradona. Maradona. That's that's yeah. Italian, dude. That's the thing. I was really I'm curious when I heard that so many Italian immigrants. Why do you think that Argentina was such um, such an attractive location for immigration from Europe in the eight in, in the 1850s and the early 1900s? Uh, first of all, Europe was like everyone was trying to kill each other. <laughs> yeah, a couple of wars. Yeah, so they also were trying to change the structure of the country and adopt capitalism so it was demographically a catastrophe so a lot of people try to oh, oh, I didn't understand that what do you mean demogra- demographically a catastrophe right for example I don't know building and the same happened in, in England like when London became the center of the industrialization a lot of people left countryside yes. and came to the city yes. and a lot of start a lot of people like I got I don't know I would say they were living better in countryside say, mm-hmm. but uh, the same happened in Italy let's say uh, it destroyed the economy the agricultural economy mm, yeah so many of them tried to I guess maybe that's the only way of life they knew right and they tried to uh, find that way of life abroad and Argentina was a good place to do that because we had a lot of uh, flat earth to cultivate what's it called uh, pr- prairies the prairies yeah pampas 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 yeah so uh, I guess it was uh, why it was the reason they they choose because for example Argentina got a lot of immigration from Spanish, from Span, Spain mm-hmm. and Italy. Mm-hmm. Those were countries where industry wasn't that developed. Yeah, like in the northern European countries, right. like Germany, perhaps Netherlands or England. So the vast majority of immigrants came from those agricultural countries. Right. Meanwhile, in the United States came. Uh, the people who already knew how to uh, how to develop a, an industrial uh, plan, let's say. Because they're from England. Yeah, from England they already knew how to work in, in fabrics. And yeah. That's why it was like... Actually, Argentinians leaders of that time wanted uh, immigrants from the northern mm. Europe to industrialize Argentina, right? Because they they had a new how, so it didn't go well. So can can you say there was a rivalry between the United States and Argentina it to bring was, in yeah. skilled immigrants? Yes, I think it was because the timing kind of makes sense, right? United States became independent in seventeen seventy six, and Argentina became independent in eighteen sixteen. So, yeah, like 25, 40 years head start, United yeah. States had, but 
both countries were trying to bring in immigrants from Europe and they were both trying to industrialize around the same time. And while I was doing the research, I read this um, uh, statistic that the average income of yeah. United States and Argentina was the same at one point of time. In they were actually, We were actually about to beat them. Yeah. But something happened, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what happened, I don't know if I would... I, you know, I, I think, you know, United States still hasn't won a World Cup, so <laughs> you guys can be happy about that. Have that. <laughs> That's interesting. Because the story of Argentina, because I didn't know about the immigration part of Argentina. I just thought Argentina was like a normal Latin American country, which there was Spanish immigration and then there was natives. But the thing about Argentina is Argentina is called the whitest, in quotes, Latin American country because the amount of Native Americans in the general population is considerably less compared to the other Latin American countries. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think it's a matter of proportions. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, there are studies that indicate that Argentinians, almost all Argentinians, have at least one ancestor Native, one Italian, at least one Native and one mm-hmm. Italian. So the mixture in Argentina was so high and the amount of white people was so high that they just... Assimilated? Yeah, and it became homogeneous. Homogeneous, right? Homogeneous, yeah. Hmm, that's interesting. Because in other... So uh, while I was doing the Chile episode, they were talking about this tribe called Mapuches. Yeah. Mapuche. So do they live as a community even still or have they been completely integrated to Argentine society that their their way of living does not exist anymore in Argentina? I mean, the way they lived uh, like in the 18th century, no, I, I don't think so. They use our clothes, I mean, Western clothes. Right. Uh, they have a couple of, I don't know, maybe... The characteristics that mm-hmm. differentiate them, but they are not like trying to or force themselves to live like they were living in, I don't know, 200 years ago or 300 years ago. I think they are already well integrated yeah, into. They, I think they are forcing themselves to integrate more. Make you think they are not integrated, but I think they are because why are they getting money to live? For example, right. I'm not planting anything. I, no, I don't know. So, you, you like when you go to countries like Bolivia and Brazil, there are these tribes that live in the Amazon alone who kind of conserve their own culture and have these kind of how do you say communities which are very exclusive for those kind of people. Do those exist in Argentina as well? Of for, mm. uh, the native tribes, I mean. The thing in Argentina was that, uh, for example, let's start with Peru, for example, mm-hmm. and uh, Paraguay, Bolivia. Those were centers of civilization. Mm. They were like century. So they were established, there were cities, uh, the Incas built a lot of uh, roads, yeah. right? Civilization existed there. Right. When the Spanish came, actually, they were like, oh my God. Look at what they built, mm. right? It, it was really impressive. Yeah, but in Argentina, there was no civilization. There, uh, let's say the tribes were there; they were nomads. Right. So, 
in one hand they were too few and in the other they didn't develop any culture or scripture or anything of that. Uh. So when the white white come, the Spanish and later the immigrate the immigrants, they were so much that these Indians just had two two options to integrate themselves right. or to keep their lifestyle and eventually I don't know. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. They were too little compared to the amount of people which was coming. Uh-huh. That didn't happen in Peru, for example. Why is that? Because they were centers of civilization and high, had a high population. The, yeah, there was a lot of people with native roots and there wasn't a plan from the government, let's say, to bring people from Europe. Right. That's what Argentina did. They wanted. They encouraged bring people. Yeah. So, another thing, one of the differences I noticed is that the amount of people of African origin is extremely high in Brazil, yeah. but in Argentina is very less. I, I, I still I try to think of a black football player in the Argentine team, just yeah. so that I can kind of... You know, Argentine football team is like the best demographic indicator for your entire country, in my opinion, because you can see a lot of things from there. But I couldn't think of any black player that played for Argentina. Is why? What makes you think? Why is that? Brazil encouraged that motion. Even it didn't encourage. It's like the slave trade bringing people in for a particular yeah. industry. I think it's a sugar in Brazil. Uh-huh. But Argentina didn't have that. What was the reason for that? I think uh, Argentina, were, uh, by the time of the Spanish Empire, wasn't a center, economic center. It was like a forgotten region of the empire. That's what Chile told me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was actually, Buenos Aires was a poor city. Mm. It was kind of a town. Okay. Right? When the nucleus of the economic, uh, of the Spanish economy, economy was silver and gold mm. you found that you find it in peru and bolivia mm-hmm. so that's where you are going to build at least the mm. greatest uh, part of your empire right? right so civilization was there and civilization stays there after the spaniard came okay so argentina was kind of a forgotten side uh-huh. and the thing is that spanish didn't use black people because they they didn't need slaves because they already had the natives really and the portuguese did and the portuguese did if you see the map of where black people in south america lives they are in the northern part of south america which is um, northern brazil, guiana brazil guiana, uh, colombia parts of colombia, colombia ecuador yeah. right so they were they located why because uh, it's sad to say it, but slavery was a market, mm. and those who trade with black people were the southern states of the United States, right? Uh, the English, so they need to be close to them. Right? Cuba, Cuba, Caribbean. Yeah. So you saying because of the market for slave trade was between the United States. Caribbean countries and the north side of South America, that's where the major amount of immig- uh, slaves from Africa was brought to. Exactly. And there, are, there were blacks in Argentina, but they were assimilated. Mm. That's the point. Now, the last waves of immigration 
in the early 2000s bring people from Senegal which are studying there in Argentina oh there are black Argentinians I think there must be one or two generations already of black people born in Argentina okay but uh, let's say but they were not brought on as slaves they were immigrants who came to yeah ah that's interesting yeah that's really cool that's why there are no blacks in Argentina they are inside of us <laughs> Dude, you got a lot of things going inside of you, yeah. man. You got Spanish, you got Native American, you got Italian. Hebrews. <laughs> nice. So I want to explore Bu- Buenos Aires more. If I would come to Buenos Aires, first thing I'd go is go watch the football games. That's that's the first thing I'm gonna River do. Plate Stadium, first of all. Yeah, first of all, El Monumental. Monumental. Dude, you got like coolest name for a stadium, El Monumental. Yes. You you feel it. You know it's you know you're gonna have like an amazing time Strong in your name. Yeah. Yeah, El Monumental. And um, La Bombonera, that's also a cool name. Yeah. Even though I don't... La Bombonera means like chocolate box. Bomba- chocolate, yeah. Yeah, so even though... Okay, I, I, I learned the name because I was studying that particular topic. But even if you don't know the name and you hear La Bombonera, you kind of feel that, oh, <laughs> this is something yeah, else. that's a point. Tell us about the culture of Buenos Aires. Because all I know is that a lot of the greatest football players came from there. Yeah. Tevez, Maradona. Messi came from Rosario, so you guys yeah. can claim Messi. But it's not far, actually. It's not far, yeah. And tell us about Buenos Aires. You grew up in Buenos Aires, right? Yes. You were born and bred Buenos Aires. Stop it. 100%. <laughs> so tell us about that. Uh, first of all, what to say? Buenos Aires is the capital. Everything is in Buenos Aires, right? Mm-hmm. And almost half of the Argentine population lives there. Well, <laughs> Argentines must be, I don't know, 50, maybe 45, between 45 and 50 million people. That in Buenos Aires, there are almost 20 million. Jesus. It's a lot of people in a little space. It right? is. And that, but from an Indian perspective, it's not, but yeah, it no, is. <laughs> talking about proportions, it's yeah. Uh, so, first of all, this is our face to, I mean, the world. Right. right? Because it's the capital and because it's the most important port. Mm. So everything comes to Buenos Aires and later is distributed to the provinces. Right. And everything that provinces produce, first of all, go to Buenos Aires and then it's distributed to the world. Everything. So Buenos Aires is kind of a little Argentina, which reflects the standard Argentine, uh, let's say, people. But... At the same time, it's not, a, let's say, a fair mixture of all our provinces. Hmm. Because all of our provinces are very similar to those countries they are... Neighboring. Uh, yes. So, for example, Mendoza is near to Chile. To our perspective, Buenos Aires, Mendoza is kind of a little Chile. Hmm. Right. So, for example, I don't know, uh, Formosa, it's near Paraguay for us. They speak actually like more Paraguayan than mm. Argentine. So, which is Buenos Aires is, in fact, that um, standard Argentine that everyone abroad knows okay. about Argentina. Okay. So, for example, to put an example, if I bring someone from Formosa to talk to you, you will say, you're not as Argentinian as Pablo. I, right? I can't tell the difference right now, yeah. but in the future I might. You might. So that's the point. Uh, 
the identity of Buenos Aires uh, is by definition the identity of Argentina because also the media of Buenos Aires is broadcasting all over the the territory and the world. This is so so much like Moscow. It's so much like Moscow. Despite we are a federation, it is actually not. It is actually not. Because at least the representation of it is not in the international sphere. Because just for the people who might not know too much about Russia, it's like Moscow is like this big, huge metropolitan city, mm-hmm. which is the face of Russia to the world. All the important people are here, universities are here, exactly. all every government department is here, all the best stadiums are here, all the football clubs are here. And Russia is so big and so diverse and have so many people from Dagestan to Buryatia to Kamchatka mm-hmm. who are ethnically so diverse who have such differing histories. Some people are more Turkish than Russian, the people in the Caucasus. Some people are more Mongolian than Russian. But that is not represented in the global sphere. What we see is like this Boris and Igor and Masha and Sasha who are like these typical Russian people is the image of Russia. So you're saying Buenos Aires kind of plays that kind of role where the huge diversity of Argentina, where provinces, provinces have their own different characteristics are not quite represented, but it is the typical Buenos Aires person, like you're saying, the Argentinian yeah. man. What's the Argentinian man that, let's call it, um, archetype based on Buenos Aires values? Uh, well, Are you talking first, about there was this conflicting, like the education system had this plan of making this idea of the Argentinian man, right? Yeah. And the Uruguayan had this different one, like the unitary and federalism. Was this ideal of the Argentinian man based on what you're saying is the typical Buenos Aires representation of an Argentine? Um, the archetypical Argentine man today is mm-hmm. different from the from that uh, our leaders of the early 20th century mm-hmm. thought about. They wanted, I mean, for example, the first presidents, they wanted a, an instructed man uh, to build an industrial country, right. uh, world power, right? That's that's what they had in mind. Today, uh, the Argentine people had a lot of trouble. We are not that country anymore. Mm-hmm. We have poverty. We have a lot of issues to solve, and that bring. I that I think that brought some kind of, especially after the communist ideas when they start to be important in Europe and they actually they were brought by immigrants from uh, Italy which were anarchist, Mm -hmm. communist, socialist. In Argentina there was some kind of switch like uh, we stopped being that liberal Oh. They wanted, and we became some kind of socialist. Uh, when was this? What period was this? It was, let's say, after World War One, ah. and the markets uh, failed. Failed. And the Great Depression started. Yeah, and of course, it was a huge impact in our economy because no one was buying nothing. Right. Uh, so what, what Argentina did was try to build uh, its own industry and try to replace those uh, 
products that buy, for example, in England and build them here. Mm. So it was needed a change of mind, which was more self-sufficiently, let's right. say that way. That's why many people today abroad say, why are you so closed to the world? Like People say Argentina is closed? Yeah, but in a political sense, like kind of... Uh, like, um, how do you say, say protectionist? Real, yeah, something like that, is, um, isolationist. Isolationist, yeah. But isolationist. really, Argentina is isolationist. I, I never felt... It's, yeah, I mean, not the people, right, because we travel a lot, yeah. we go abroad, we have a good passport, actually. Yeah. But the way politics and economy is planned oh. uh, in the country, at least the last, let's say, 50 years, or 40 years, yeah, I would say we are, and we actually in our universities are kind of socialist, mm, left, 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 we are like, does it go Marxist, does it lead to that level, or is it more, sometimes it gets Marxist, but I would say it's more like a welfare state, welfare some state kind of, yeah. uh, let's say socialism, but an American socialism. Like, right. So Bernie Sanders socialism. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what Argentinians are. We are very proud people of our nation, right. of our history, of everything, heritage of what we have done. But at the same time, we have this kind of Mm, let's say we are an idealist country. Ide- idealist, yeah, and we always try to find the best way to do everything. And if we have to fight for it against Britain, uh-huh. against uh, USA, let's say in a conference, in a world conference, we will. Uh-huh. So we are kind of stubborn people in that sense. We are very open. We are. Uh, generous, we are happy, and we are well, everything that people think about Latin American people. Right. But at the same time, we have this kind of. Is there a word for it in Spanish? That. Uh, arrogance. Uh, Some not arrogance. For me, it's like. Carra. 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 What does it mean? And it's like. Claw? Yeah. But it, it, the idea behind carra is like. Keep fighting till the end. Something like that. Garra. Garra, yeah. Garra, garra, yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's garra, but with some kind of uh, our idea about ourselves that makes... Um, sometimes people think we have a huge ego. Right. All the videos I saw, like, Argentinians yeah, yeah. consider them to be, like, really big people. And one Argentinian <laughs> guy was like, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's uh, it's not because we are arrogant people or not, or we don't respect the world, but it's like the love for us, for ourselves, for our culture, and the proud of it sometimes make feel the other like we are attacking or. Would you call that nationalism? Patriotism, I would say. Patriotism. Mm. Yeah, it's not an ideology like nationalism, but mm-hmm. I would say it's love. For me, it's love. Right? So, if you were to draw a, a comparison, let's say, United States, or some, uh, whose proportion of the population, they are also very patriotic. Mm-hmm. And that is also a nation which is predominantly populated by 
immigrants or descendants of immigrants like Argentina. So how do you develop that sense of patriotism when so many people have so many different roots from so many different parts of the world? Because for me, it's really interesting because in India, most of us, if you go back, lots of generations are from the same place, probably the same city. So when you have so many people from different parts of the world coming together and they develop this sense of patriotism or nationalism or a sense of different identity, which is so different from their roots, it, I find it really interesting. How do you make that? How, is it like, what do you think about that? I think it, it wasn't, uh, I mean, it was clearly planned by the government, right? It was this plan from, of bringing people up from abroad Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it generates a problem. We are bringing German, we are bringing Italian. Yeah, exactly. They are going to I don't know, gather together and maybe, I don't know. Form their own small yeah, right. ghetto so communities or how, cliques. How do we fight this? Yeah. And that's what they planned. A huge and national uh, education plan exactly. to homogenize, homogenize? Yeah, homogenize. homogenize people from all over the, world. the country yeah. people which was coming from all over the world it was like a period of 50 80 years right they were coming and coming and coming almost i don't know 8 million people uh-huh. so how to build the argentine nationality right and of course it had to be using education as a tool exactly there was another way because Ethnically, were so different people. Linguistically, linguistically, so and even religion was different yeah. in Italy. From I don't know. Italy was Britain. Catholic predominantly. Germany uh-huh. was Protestant. So how do we make an Argentine uh, culture? So that's the point. That's what they build. And if you see, almost in all these countries, which are immigrant countries, mm. countries of immigration like USA or Australia. Their nationality is not kind of uh, a civilization. Right. It's more like based on symbols. Mm. Like in our case, for example, the flag. With the sun. The sun and uh, I don't know the hymn. The hymn. Gim- the uh, anthem. Anthem. So yeah, when you see Argentina, yeah, you, as you said, we're almost all of them are white and etc but what the, what unites them it's a set of symbols mm. right and the feeling of national unity which was built by this uh, education plan which was traced almost 120 years ago wow so that's what they built argentine nationality actually from scratch, from yeah, basically nothing, from pieces of from all over the world. So that's what happened, and Spanish was the standard language to use. Um, it could have been English, like it all. Yeah, there was. I guess if the majority of this immigration were, would have been British, mm-hmm. I think it would have been possible. Yeah, but uh, I think. They said, "Let's stick to Spanish." <laughs> it, it won't be, a, it won't, won't be possible. So that's why I think it didn't happen. But the point is that they built Argentine nationality from nowhere, and 
they actually build an Argentine myth, uh, like what we are, where are we coming from, where are we going. Uh, like the American dream? Exactly. The, all these countries, not only Argentina, Uruguay did the same, uh-huh. Chile did the same. Uh-huh. They built their own nationality, uh, they had their own project, economic project, political project, social project. So that's the way it was. That's that's really interesting. Well, I want to ask, like, in this nationality building process, did they use the particular particular tribal aspects to differentiate between X country and Y country, for example? So, um, I'm thinking, what if there are two countries and there are there were two dominant tribes? And they kind of integrated that identity too in the nation building process. I'm think I'm thinking like for the like you said Paraguay Peru those are more important. Like they still speak Quechua. Quechua spoken in Peru. Yeah, and Guarani in Paraguay. And uh, Guarani. Yeah. So that has been integrated. Let's look at other Latin American countries too. Was the native identity also a part in differentiating between the countries? Yeah, of course, it, it did help, I think. For example, in Paraguay, till today, they are using uh, Guarani as the main language, let's say, on the street. Really? Yeah. More than Spanish? Um, Depends on the place. Yeah, I think mm. in the capital, of course, they speak Spanish, but in the countryside, they speak Guarani. Mm. Yeah, for example, and in Peru, the same. They use Quechua. Of course, in... Not in Lima, mm. but yeah, it's part of the, and they are actually trying to conserve it. Like they're encouraging it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. That in Argentina there are a lot of these uh, tribes, but um, the effort to try to keep them wasn't enough strong, strong enough. Right. And in this period of almost 200 years, some of them got lost, Uh Uh, some of them were integrated, so we didn't have that luck. But you you think that if that was, they would have been more, added more richness to Argentine culture? I guess so, but in time I think Buenos Aires will have uh, tried to hide it somehow, I don't know, because Buenos Aires wanted some kind of homogeneous country the way USA did like mm. the USA just tried to erase this native, native American culture yeah, something similar happened in the late 1800s right uh, with this person we had Roca mm-hmm. he made which is called uh, the desert campaign and Argentina was actually uh, the half it is today. Patagonia wasn't colonized. Yeah. So I think the Mapuche were the main tribe. Yeah, Mapuche, the Welche, uh, Pampas. Mm-hmm. Pampas is a tribe, tribe too. Okay. Onas, a lot of them. So they tried to conquer these lands to add them. It's like the Wild West, isn't it? Exactly. Ah. And of course, British help us, help the natives. Help Chile also. <laughs> Brit- yeah, the, the British always. British like the stuff. Doing business. <laughs> yeah. You and guns. 
We sell the all three of you. Yeah. Shoot each other. <laughs> they help building Uruguay also. So that's the that's what happened. As in the USA, as in the USA, we in this period of time of history, we erased this kind of. But I think South America it was more successful than United States in homogenizing let's say it all the different people that are coming in because even in the United States we have these parallel cultures you have black culture and you have the south south uh, southern United States culture and you got these Mormons and you got all these different yeah. subgroups who are quite distinct from each other and who are kind of um, less homogenized than South America yeah. that's something which I really like about South America because Almost all the countries I talk to, people are like, it doesn't really matter what roots you have, but people have been so in, in, integrated with yeah, the society I that... I think religion helped a lot, because you huh. have, in USA, a lot of Protestants came. Right. And Protestants, there are a lot of, of groups of Protestants. Protestants, have, yeah. I don't know, Baptists. Uh, Calvinists. Yeah, you have a lot Lutherans. Mm-hmm. So, what happened there? Lutherans gathered together and... Calvinists do the same. Mm. To Argentina, almost all of them, all of the immigrants were Catholic. Mm. So it's the same for South. It's kind of the true for all of South America, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, of course, Spain helped also a lot. They, I don't know, of despite the fact there were Quichuas in Peru, Guaranis in Paraguay, they they succeeded when they tried to to build this empire because it was working actually. Mm. It was, I mean, at least the first years of the empire, the first century almost, uh, the Catholic kings which were ruling Spain. Was it Isabella? Isabella Catholica. Charles? Fernando. Fernando, okay. Uh, they actually no, built a lot of laws to protect these people and not to destroy their culture. Mm, really? So, yes, the first years were great. The last years were... You well, mean the Spanish in- Inquisition? Yeah. Yeah. And that's when problems arose and independence uh, happened, right? Mm. But yeah, in South America, a lot of people came and the vast majority of them were Catholics already. Mm. Italy, Spain, Spain. Portugal, mm. France. So I think that religion helped a lot, really. Right. And one interesting which I saw was Welsh is recognized as an official language in yeah. Argentina. Yeah, there is a little city in Chubut, I guess. Uh-huh. They have their own institutions. They speak Welsh institutions. Uh, they print official papers in Welsh and everything. So this Welsh community was able to kind of um, concentrate to themselves. Yeah. Uh, there are also a few German communities in the little provinces. Uh-huh. Uh, and in Santa Fe, guess, there are Piemont- Piemontese people from yeah. northern Italy, Lombardy. Ah, uh, okay. But they were able to integrate themselves mm. because of this law. I think the perspective Which was law? different of education. Ah, okay. General education, universal education. Right. In the early 19th century. Universal education is like, no, no, at that time I think it was 
was it considered socialist or was it considered like no it was uh, liberal but we were an agro based agro country yeah. mm. industry industry wasn't developed yet but even now i think the most famous product of argentina is meat you guys love <laughs> meat don't you we do and the thing about pablo is so there's this whole cowboy culture and Pablo is a victim of it because <laughs> <laughs> there's this game called polo and Pablo was playing it and he fell off a pony horse and he fucked up his knees so <laughs> so t- tell us about that the whole I forgot the name what's it called the the cowboy culture in um gaucho gaucho da gaucho is culta uh, gaucho cultura cultura gaucha da oh how's that what's that saying gaucho i don't know the etymology of this word but it was like we had remember i told you we had this kind of liberal argentine uh man that were trying to yeah. build with the new ideas coming from england and right. france well the gaucho culture it was the result of the mixture between the native americas uh-huh. in argentina and the spanish colonization uh-huh. and portuguese but fact South America didn't have horses. All horses were brought from Europe. Yes. So where did the native cult, native part come in this culture of gaucha? The natives are, well, are about horses. Yeah. I don't know. Well, the horses were bring. Uh huh. Were brought. Yeah. And also cows, of course. But there wasn't a system of, uh, like delimitation of lands mm. so many of them escape let's say that way you mean the animals yeah okay and they took the pampas as ah, their home okay right? so these uh, cows and and horses they were living free without like, predators without predators without wow, anything, like okay. for almost four centuries let's say wow so yes horses became really strong uh-huh. because they weren't they weren't domesticated like okay. they were free and cows also they develop and they uh, thrive and when it comes to when independence came the Argentines just saw that as oh my god look at we have a lot of cows we can sell yeah. the skins and the meat and, and it was kind of a huge a natural resource right so yes i think that it's, it's like a man-made natural resource isn't it yeah they left them there and they thrive and they just in the relation i guess with nature they became stronger mm. than the domestic. domesticated ones yeah that's why i think they had a plus for example argentine horses and argentine meat the way also the richness of the ground like mm. it's so high that they just is so tasty <laughs> <laughs> dude I, I dude i'm i'm like the it's very strange when i say i'm indian and i love to eat cow because they're <laughs> yeah. like what the fuck bro what's wrong with you but i'm, I'm from Kerala. yeah are you indian a lot of people find that really strange but i'm from <laughs> this really crazy part of india where like we love communism and eating beef And <laughs> <laughs> so oh that kind of makes sense Great. and I 
Uh, there's a series on Netflix. It's called Straight Through Latin America. Have you seen it? Uh, I have. You have to see it, man. There's actually one episode on Buenos Aires. It's like really? oh. Los Chicas de Tres. That's one restaurant in one supermarket, one market. I forgot the name of the market, but I'll send it to you. And the food they make is so beautiful, dude. The barbecues you guys have. It's like you take a fucking cow, cut it in half and just barbecue it. Yeah, it is fresh. Yes, and I, I find that so beautiful. I don't know. I'm a big fan of meat. And I, if or when I do come to Latin America, Argentina is like, give me your best barbecue because <laughs> I need it. I've been waiting all yeah. my life for it. I, I have like lived in in Brazil, Spain a few months mm. and meat is not the same. Mm. I, I I don't know why actually. What about Russia? What about the meat? Russia, uh, it's not meat. <laughs> <laughs> I can't call it meat. It's not Astasia sours. I don't know why. How do you make it? Like do you guys barbecue is is that the main form of what do you do with meat? The main thing? No mm, we had salt and pepper, right? Mm-hmm. Before cooking it mm. to the and on a grill on a fire grill mm. and fire I think is the key because it can't be too strong ah. but actually it can also be too weak mm. it has to take some exact level yeah, exact level to make the meat loss and enough Water, let's say, uh, to lose enough water and yeah, cook not inside. too much. Not too much. Ooh, that's, that's a skill, isn't it? Yeah, it's a skill. Almost, yeah, it's too hot. Yeah, you raise it. Yeah, a little. Ah, uh, that's our way, dude. Like my house, there's like this reconstruction going on, and I send a picture of a Spanish, not a Spanish, Latin American barbecue stuff to my mom, and like. Please build this in our house because I want to make some Latin American barbecue with some coal and some Indian meat. But I don't know. Let's see. How Let's, I'm make asado. Let's make an asado. Asado? That's asado. It's our barbecue. Ah, it's called asado. Yeah. Is that the, the, the word for barbecue? Is it like the stuff or the process of making it? What is the asado? Exactly. Asado is the process. Process, asado, okay. Yeah, asar means bake. Bake? Bake. Yeah. Okay. Asar. Yeah, asado means. So, from this, your polo story, how do you connect that? Is, oh is polo also, I think polo is also an important sport in Argentina. Football is the sport, but you guys are really good at hockey and polo. Because yeah. I was surprised because every time I was Indian hockey, India, hockey is our national sport, but we are not very good at it, but we are not shit. In football, we are shit. So, <laughs> <laughs> every time the Indian hockey team plays, there is Argentina, even in the men's and the women's, especially in the women's, Argentina always wins. Like, I remember Argentine women hockey team always winning the final. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hockey, also basketball, we are good at yeah. basketball. Yeah. You know, we won a lot of championships in the NBA. In the NBA? Yeah, with the Spurs. No, what's the name of the player? Uh, Ginobili. Oh. Manuel Ginobili. Yeah. Which team do you play for in the NBA? Uh, Spurs, San Antonio Spurs. San Antonio Spurs. Mm. With Tim Duncan, Tony uh-huh. Parker. Okay. Greg Popovich. So, th- we are also good at tennis. Tennis? Del Potro, you know Del Potro? No. He once won the US Open. Mm. So, no, Villas. From the 70s. Oh, okay. 
he got to be number two of the world in tennis. Yeah. Okay, dude, I'm so bad at tennis, man. <laughs> <laughs> Studying sports, doesn't know shit about tennis. That's me. But uh, tell us your polo story. My polo, oh, well, short story. I break my knees <laughs> and I wasn't able even to walk for almost a year. A year. I fell from my horse, my mare. Mm. We mare. Female horse. Uh huh. And the mare fell with me, and I wasn't able to. Uh, free my my uh, legs. legs and when I finally could I fell in a bad position oh from um, almost I don't know a meter or two meters because oh. I jumped from here and crack crack oh fuck yeah. is, it, is it rare that kind of injuries in Paul uh, yeah mine yeah I mean the way I and the things I destroyed, <laughs> yeah, it's, that's, it's not normal. <laughs> but injuries in polo are just, yeah, it's rare not to be injured. Not so, to be injured. Yeah. It, is polo a product of the gaucho culture? The cowboy yeah, culture? I would say so. Not only the gaucho, but also this kind of horse that developed in the pampas is, uh-huh. is I don't know, stronger. I don't know why. Mm. It, even the muscular structure is bigger and mm. faster. I don't know. So we have developed a few uh, races of mm. Argentine horses, the Polo Argentino, the Cis Argentino for uh, hippism. Hippism? Yeah, I don't know how is it in English. The sport where you ride the horse and you jump. Ah, yeah, yeah, I understood. Even I know the English word for yeah. that. Well, we have our own races we developed. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's beautiful, really. Yeah. Horses, they're fucking big, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm scared of horses, to be honest. Yeah. I, well, I, it's I, our kind of... Uh, a symbol? Non-official symbol, yeah, mm. of Argentina. Well, first of all, they helped us to gain independence, right? Against Spanish. Against Spanish. Um, the gauchos and the Indians, I mean, the natives, they had a different relation with this animal, like more intimate relation. They mm. understand, like, they have a bond, right? Ah. And Spanish regular army didn't. So that's, for me, from my point of view, that was one of the factors that helped us. Oh. Even considering even that we were less than the Spanish and not that well equipped. equipped. That's why I think it became one of our symbols. We actually have it in our matters and everything we... Oh, you got a have. horse in it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Horse is a very... Important symbol important of Argentina. Argentina. Uh, especially gaucho culture. Okay. So let's introduce the mate. Can you prepare us a mate, Pablo? Let's prepare mate. Let's prepare mate. So while he's preparing mate, I'll just give an introduction of that. So mate is like a tea but it's not tea it's very specific to latin america not just latin america argentina and uh, paraguay yeah paraguay it's uh, i think its name actually scientific name it's paraguayensis something like this oh so, so it's named after paraguay yeah it is a paraguayan it it, it 
It's um, it's a refreshment drink, basically. Mm, uh, I don't know. Actually, it if it were, it is not already because we drink it even when we are not thirsty. Oh. We drink it because we have to. <laughs> <laughs> there is no other way. Excuse me to cut you off, but the cool thing about it is that you drink it out of this. How do you say? It? How do I describe this? It's like um, this is made from a calabash. What is calabash? It's a kind of uh, olash. A vegetable. A vegetable. Uh huh. Yeah. You cook it and it becomes like this. What? So, That's a vegetable. Can can I touch it? Yeah. Oh. It it feels like plastic, but it's not, is it? It's not, it's it's the vegetable. Oh, whoa. And there's like steel, um, not steel, stainless steel uh, boundaries on it. And then you put yeah. the leaves inside and then tell us what happens next. And you take then four of this. this straw. You do, describe the straw. <laughs> this, is the, this is the most fun part. Look, uh, we need to do this. The Jaraba. Which is called Jaraba? Yeah. Or it's a Jaraba? Uh, Jaraba the is the container. No, the container is called uh, Mate okay. by itself. Okay. Jaraba is the uh, uh, herbs. We use. Ah, the herbs. Okay. Jaraba actually means herbs. Okay. So it has to be placed in an angle. Uh, like 45 degrees, let's say something. Jesus Christ, this is chemistry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Potter's. <laughs> it's like so, making portions, isn't yeah. it? Okay. So forty-five degrees, something uh, like that. Uh huh. The point is that the curve from the base uh -huh. and this angle uh -huh. help us to delay the effect of uh, the water, like. So the point is the herbs don't get wet too fast. Oh. So it conserves uh, taste longer. Okay. Right? So. This way, we put it. Then we need a little of water. hot water. We point to the the base of base it. Of it. The vertex. Uh -huh. Vertex. God. We wait until water gets absorbed. So it's only a very little amount of water. You don't like put a lot of it, and the herb absorbs a little amount of yeah. water, and then it releases a little bit of the how do you say it? the the juices, the oils, whatever that's inside. The essence. Yeah. So. I can start smelling it now. <laughs> I, st I start smelling the herbs. Yeah. Mm. So we now pick the straw and we bury it like this. Uh -huh. Why Why do you hold it? Why do you like close it? I don't know. I think it helps. Ah. I just, I've seen my mother and my grandmother. Do oh, it. That's okay. That's what we <laughs> Okay. So we have done this, now what we need to do is to add more water, but uh, against this straw, not directly to the herbs. Oh, okay. So with the straw, it goes yeah. down. Ah. We wait until it gets, it gets absorbed, and we continue till the huge amount of mud is just like elevates. Okay. Dude, this is an art, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, the first one is like, you need to be accurate, like this. Does this affect the taste, how it's going to taste, how you pour yeah. the water? 
the water mustn't spoil oh. because it ruins spoils the yerba 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 the herbs, herbs okay yerba so that's the way we prepare it oh and how much time should we leave before we can have a drink maybe a few seconds you need to wait till the water gets to the base uh-huh. i think it's already okay y- you go first <laughs> so that's the way oh that's a mate <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> that looks psychedelic yeah, now <laughs> it's so relaxing it's like okay now i really want to drink rule number one never touch the straw with your hands yeah it just placed where you left then next rule the one that serves like the one that prepares is Mm -hmm. like established and never can change i don't understand i am the one which will prepare the mate so it will be me Uh till the end who's going to pour more water ah dude this there's some rules in how you make this drink isn't it God. There, there are not actually rules, it's the way we do it like more efficiently, let's mm. say that way. So that a different person might fuck up the consistency, so yeah. if one person does it, it makes sense. Next rule, always to the right, to the people to the right. Oh, you pass it on to... Yeah. Dude, that that's marijuana culture right there. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Always pass the In joint fact, to the right. It, is, it comes directly from, from the Guarani tribes. Uh-huh. So... It is like kind of a shamanic thing. It is a shaman. It, it does look like shamanic. I asked you, right? It's the ayahuasca inside. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are uh, a few other rules to uh, respect. The next rule is you can't say thanks till you don't want more. When you don't want more, ah. but you say thanks. Like, And the one that put water in uh-huh. understands that you don't want more more okay so never say thanks until i'm stopping yeah jesus christ may i try of course this is for you okay god this feels shamanic <laughs> really shamanic. i won't touch the straw just have a drink and and the leaves are still dry isn't it that's the, the point that water is only underneath and the top and part the, the leaves are dry like um constantly uh, growing up Ooh. so dude I, I feel something some, a, a shot of energy <laughs> go through my brain dude it, it, it does hit you if your brain kind of feels something is there but it and it it's kind of bitter but it's not tea it's, no, it's, it's different from tea. tea yeah it's different mm. it's like a wild tea it's like a wild tea and there tea. is there is a little bit of shamanic, at least. It is. You, you can, at least by the setup of it, there's a little bit of shamanic elements to it. Yes. You know, one day, ayahuasca is going to go in there. Uh-huh. <laughs> that is going to be cool. Things. So, anyone who's going to Argentina, you must try the mate. And and you must like follow all the traditions and rules which Pablo has done for us. Our, at, least, at least in the social aspect this is our symbol of um, friendship mm. not only with all Argentines but also with foreigners mm. like include them to our group right. because this is something very intimate in fact 
Yeah. Like when we go to someone, some friend's apartment, the first thing, nos mates. The first things that he said, nos mates, like, let's drink mate, da. of course. Uh, like, it's kind of... It's like a welcoming. It is. It yeah. is. Um, well, this is the most Argentine. It can't get more Argentine. It can't get more Argentine than mate. <laughs> well, that's pretty cool, man. It's really interesting. Mate culture. Okay, no, thank you so much. Let me have... <gasps> I said thank you! you. Thank Motherfucker, <laughs> Come on, no! <laughs> it was a trap. It was a trap, dude. <laughs> oh, my, po- my... How do you say it? My politeness kind of let me down. Yeah. Right <laughs> but uh, I'm, so- I'm sorry for saying thank you. May I have another <laughs> drink, please? <laughs> Actually, is this a problem with all Latins that don't understand the culture? Because yeah. when they say thank because Latins Gracias. are very... Light. Yeah, and when they say thank, I automatically understand that they don't. <gasps> they don't want anymore. Yeah, so, you're like, they say then, why, why are you, you not stop? offering? Yeah, exactly. You say, oh, you're not Argentine. Like, yeah, oh my god, dude. because this ritual it's so automa- automatic. Like, yeah, it's subconscious. Think, yes, you don't think about it. You just do it yeah. mechanically. Like, yeah, you don't think about it. Dude, that's so cool. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll try to be less polite in Argentina. <laughs> I'm, gonna not, I'm not gonna say sorry, I'm not gonna say thank you, I'm not gonna say excuse me. I'm gonna be like, yo, what's happening, bro? <laughs> and I go to Argentina, which is really cool. And um, so, one person who is Argentinian and who I want to know how Argentinians consider him is Ernesto Che Guevara. He's born in Buenos Aires, if I believe. Or in some, Rosario. Uh, in Rosario. Yeah. He was a medical student there. Mm-hmm. And then he went on on this motorcycle ride with his friend. Well, I forgot the name of the friend. And that kind of changed him. He joined the Cuban Revolution. He became yeah. he became the symbol for hipsters across the world to print on the t-shirts. <laughs> Merchandising everywhere. Merchandising yeah. everywhere. He, that's, <laughs> he would have hated that. But how do Argentinians see Ernesto Che Guevara? Uh, that's complex question because I would say there are two Argentinians in that way in this sense like political economy as I said before we have a liberal Argentina that mm-hmm. points to Europe to America right. wants to develop and there is a socialist Argentina let's say Bernie Sanders way right. which uh, pretends to unite all Latin countries and uh, make some kind of Latin welfare state, mm. some kind of socialist. So you have these two ideas about Che Guevara. Right. The liberals hate them, hate him, but, and this socialist uh, kind of uh, idealizing. idealizing uh, it all tries, like he's an idol. Right. So you have these two points of view of him in Argentina. You can find uh, I don't know public spaces with with his face, mm. and in I don't know in time it will get spoiled by some liberal. Okay. So you have this kind of conflict in a way. Conflict in Argentina that it's already hundred years huh? being played. So it's a complicated. I wouldn't say he's my idol, mm-hmm. but you do have a T-shirt. <laughs> who doesn't who doesn't <laughs> so I don't know uh, 
he did some things that I wouldn't approve. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. His position, of course, was difficult. I don't know what would I do in his place. But did he? But did he try to bring the communist revolution of Cuba to Argentina during the time? Um, Because in his history, the you try to do it in Congo, you try to do it in Bolivia, you try to do yeah. it in Cuba, but you don't hear a lot about Argentina in that biography of Chico Ara. Um, I think in that time um, the military was in the government. So junta. The junta, junta. Yeah. Junta means like uh squad. Stretcher. Junta means meeting. Oh really? Mm, I don't know. That. Because it was a meeting between the three main forces. The navy, the ah. army, and the Air Force. That's a junta. That's it, it's a, junta. a Spanish word. Or do we, it, Spanish. It, it's Spanish. But we have, in English too, we use that. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So, Che Guevara didn't try to bring communism to Argentina? I think it was maybe a strategic, a strategic uh, objective or a main objective for them. Maybe Bolivia was a better place to establish because there are mountains, mm. the guerrilla, it's difficult to fight mm. in this kind of uh, territory yeah. like between mountains and woods so I think that's why he didn't come to Argentina interesting because for I, I, I'll show you something from my state of Kerala like I told you right, we are that strange people in India who likes to eat beef and <laughs> that was communism because Che Guevara for us is, like you told, his picture is literally everywhere. So <laughs> look at this. This is what yeah, this yeah, is a party office of the Communist Party in India. And this is like murals of him. So this is the daughter of Che Guevara meeting with our chief minister. Correct. And uh, this is like the union of hotel employees. And they also use Che Guevara as like... Amazing. Uh, yeah, and it's crazy because, you know, we are... Like, we have that communist history, but growing up in Kerala, I see more pictures of Che Guevara and Karl Marx than Gandhi on the streets. <laughs> and yeah. it was like, okay. That is too much. That is too much, yes. And it's really interesting. And Motorcycle Diaries is one of my, not favorite, but it's a movie which I really liked. And I think it would say one of my first insights into Latin American culture and even the po- mm. poverty and the inequality which exist in South America. And I always have this on my bucket list to motorcycle from mm. Colombia all the way uh. to Patagonia one day. I hope it's possible, but that would be really interesting to say the way Che did it in his Northern 500 bike. I, forgot, I think that's a bike. Yeah, it's a long way. It is a long way. So that's why I'm learning Spanish. Uh-huh. <laughs> Estoy estudiando español porque... How do you say ride? How do you say ride a bicycle? Motocycle... Eh, andar. Andar, and, and, andar en moto. Andar en moto. Sí. <laughs> Great. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Another important Argentine person, other than Lionel Messi. You can't call Lionel Messi person. You can call him Maradona too. You can call him extraterrestrial, like you yeah. said in the video. It's Pope Francis. Yeah. What? I think he's the first Latin Pope ever in Catholicism, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the first American, actually, considering the continent. Yeah. The continent, right? What? 
symbolic meaning does Pope Francis have for Argentinians? Again, we have this division. Hmm. Like, uh, I would say some part of Argentina, the conservative part of Argentina, like, of course, love him, not only because many of them knew him, but also because of what he represents. The first, what does he represent? The first, let's say, non-American, not European, no, European Pope, uh, the first American Pope, the first Argentinian Pope, the first Pope non-European was Argentinian, like, it's kind of a mixture between the religious uh, feelings with the patriotic feelings. Right. You have this uh, Argentina, let's say this way, that consider him uh, this symbol. But you have the other Argentina, which we can say it is more socialist, more Marxist in some points. Right. Uh, he, this part is, is not... I wouldn't say it's religious. I mean, maybe even anti-Catholic because the mm. Catholicism represents not only the conservative order that became after the independence, that uh, destroyed the natives' culture, uh, that bring the order of capitalism and... Bourgeoisie class, in a way? Yeah. Okay. So, that's why they don't see with good eyes the idea of having an Argentine Pope. It's kind of... At least they don't consider Catholicism uh, like, let's say, a space where they want to be represented. Mm. Uh, you mean Argentine, Argentina? This, to this part of the Argentine nation, let's say, population which is more, let's say, uh, maybe a little, I wouldn't say atheist, mm-hmm. but more like trying to separate the state, state from, from the religion, secular. secular. Mm-hmm. It's more, yeah, um, anti-conservative think, way of thinking, anti-bourgeoisie. Right. So these kind of identifications, the Pope it represents... Uh, everything we don't like. Right. Something like that. The bourgeoisie, the Catholicism, the conservative order, right. everything we hate, let's say. But, I'm not, I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not very much aware of what happens in the Roman Catholic Church, but Pro Francis is considered one of the most liberal popes ever, right? Yeah. He kind of, um, I remember in BBC they're talking about, he kind of acknowledged gay marriage, yeah. And that, which coming from the Pope of the Catholic Church, and he also acknowledged the abuse done by pa- uh, former or current people who were serving as pastors. I don't know what the exact position. And these are like very, how do you say, unusual for the Pope to acknowledge these kind of things. Does that kind of make him more liberal? in an Argentinian perspective or from the perspective of both sides of the spectrum those who like him and those who don't I would say it makes him more liberal from the Vatican perspective mm. I think that that's why they choose him like they needed some new energy mm-hmm. some new way of 
uh, I don't know, directing the policies of the Catholicism. That's what I would say. He is a liberal pope, but considering the history and the points of view in the Vatican. But I wouldn't say he's liberal from the Argentinian point of view. I guess if he were a politician in Argentina, he would be the center a little bit right oh. because he's Catholic, okay. right? He's religious, and right. he—I uh, don't know—he actually was in charge of a Catholic order, I guess, during the last dictatorship mm. in Argentina. So it makes him. Uh, to the eyes of some left uh, leaders, it makes him suspicious. Right. Right. So he actually had a lot of critics in that sense. Uh, like, I don't know, we uh, accusing him of helping the, the, the military to uh. find people or something like that. Never was proven, but. So I, I want to explore that particular dictatorship in it and let's look at it from the side of the church was so I know how to ask this question was the church supportive of the dictatorship in it? could you explain about that particular let's go usually when I talk about the history I start from the first point and then come forward from Argentina let's go backwards from modern day period so from my research 90s, 2000s, it was kind of all right. 80s and 70s, it was really turbulent period. Yeah. And before that, even more turbulent, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. I, I read somewhere that you had like five presidents in three weeks. Yeah, in 2001 to ah. 2004, or no, 2003, we had like seven presidents. But in a week, we had actually five. How is that possible? I mean, five presidents in one week. I don't know. It's kind of technical, but yeah. It's like one party can't have a majority, so the they replace him. Um, yeah, like something some... like that. The president in charge was quit. Mm. Then uh, the next in line is ah. the vice president. Okay. So you have that there too. Ah. The vice president left the place to another new president, ah. which was elected in the parliament. Uh-huh. So you have three, ah. and this one just will be there until uh, the other comes uh, from the elections and uh, you have I don't know how many of them quit okay but they were a lot <laughs> that's a good statistic right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> and shame wh- and why is it shameful? I don't know because um, I don't know I guess we could be a better country if we could like improve our institutional skills like this mm. it can't happen I think in a serious country this just can't happen I where mean, there is a power struggle or a power gap between you know not only but uh, I'm talking about this this respectful negligent way of taking uh, these economic and political issues mm. uh, the my opinion is that we don't have a state policy that we can trace from here to, I don't know, maybe 30 years ago. There is not a plan, you mm. know, 
every government which came into into office do whatever they want maybe they destroy the things the other the good things the last government uh, did and it doesn't help we are always in the same like in a circle circle so we never go further does it go from center left center right left right always it yeah in the 90s in the 90s yeah, we, we had more liberal government mm-hmm. uh, in the early 2000 we had a left uh, like government central left uh-huh. uh, then became Macri in the 2000 in 2014 mm-hmm. he was like center right uh-huh. it never goes too far from the center right but the difference, the difference are clear what about Peron oh Because I was reading a lot... Whenever I read about an Argentine politician, he, it says he's Peronian. There's, they use that term. A Peronian... Peronianist. Or something like that. Like his way of thought ideology is based on this person called Peron. Could you yeah. explain what that means? Peron was... Uh, he was a military, right? Like a general? He was a general. Right? Okay. And... Uh, during uh, democratic uh, government before World War II he was in charge of a ministry right mm. uh, the, the Ministry of Workers I guess I, it was its name and he did a lot of things for them and he helped and he I don't know he like gain some popularity mm. from it and in the next elections he became president okay the point is he was president of Argentina three times uh-huh. and the three, three times were he was chosen democratically okay so there is a difference between Perón the military who was president democratically uh-huh. and the other military which were president because of a coup right so this is the first difference we find between the Argentina from uh, the 30s 1930s which were more more democratic I guess uh, it was Argentina wasn't really democratic the first years of its existence right Uh, even till 19, uh, let's say 20, the the bourgeoisie mm-hmm. of Argentina was so powerful, mm. they built Buenos Aires, which is a city. So it was like an oligarch state? It was an oligarch state. Right. They actually found founded the PAN, which was called, it was the almost the only... Uh, party in the country ah. and they were always them who ruled okay so they did a one party f- system kind of like yeah c- can you compare it with China in papers n- not in papers but in reality yeah mm. so it was actually I think the first socialist and uh, representative in the parliament was chosen in the early 1920s mm. So it was kind of a dictatorship, but not military dictatorship, like right. oligarchy. Right, oligarchy, proper. After that, when, as I said before, when World War One came, 
it destroyed the basis of our economy yeah. and the oligarchy just didn't have just they hadn't that structure and of power and that base of power and right. they were forced to let uh, the people form uh, make part of the government right so it was kind of a democratization of mm. Argentina but not much mm. after World War Two, Perón brings new ideas not only uh, political ideas he was more like a socialist actually many people think and accuse them accuse him of being uh, very empathic to this fascist movement movements in Europe Italy and Germany Italy Germany uh, he was like so th- what time so this was during the time of Mussolini and Hitler yes okay yes yeah he actually outlived them mm-hmm. but Argentina never joined the war can you say can you call he had fascist ideologies can you say that um, not fascist I would say he has some fears but not completely mm. let's say he um, well he said once I think he said he admired corporativism from Italy mm. this is to make uh, this uh, I don't know the word in English professionalism professionalism a professional committees I use is like a union committee yeah some these unions that uh, gather Work, workers union yeah oh okay they gather some uh, our area economical area ah like co- like communes in a way which yeah. are no, self-sufficient no. units of workers who kind of try to industrialize from, from the bottom up is that what I'm trying to say yeah I'll try to find that word but the point is he had ideas which were more related to this fascist, mo- fascist uh-huh. movement. He actually was considered a socialist in some way. But of course we have socialists from the Soviet Union. Yeah, and, and so- we have National Socialists, yeah. which is the Nazi party. <laughs> exactly. So it was a change. It meant a change of ideology for Argentina and it became structural when the constitution was changed. By Perón? By Perón. Mm. It became more uh, a state. Before Perón, the state, uh, the government didn't uh, influence uh, much the economy and the social aspects of ah, so it. And Perón became uh, f- like a symbol for workers and he actually helped them uh, adding to the constitution some rights which oh. weren't considered. So it became more the constitution became more socialist, socialist in that sense and yeah more like community like we are a nation and the other constitution the constitution before it was more liberal more individualistic mm. so that's what Peron bring brought to Argentina a new way of thinking because the war showed them that some kind of mechanisms especially in the economy, right. uh, didn't work. Ah. Or actually, the crisis of the 1929 in the United you States also helped a lot to change this uh, approach. Pa- approach and paradigm. In yeah, it. and it became more states. Uh, a state, uh, the state became more 
involved in involved the in not only in polit in politics and economic but in social life ah. so there were built a lot of uh, schools uh, hospitals uh, for poor people so the welfare state model kind of caught up exactly. from the previous model where the oligarchy's interests were exactly there priority. were actually problems between Peron and the oligarchy because mm. the oligarchy was like losing power yeah exactly and Peron at the same time used this amount of people of, of he was populist populist yeah, yeah. we can say that and uh, he used it as a tool against the oligarchy to keep power uh, to keep power in his hands wow. so it's kind yeah he did a lot of good things I think especially uh, like geopolitically mm. because Argentina didn't as I said we are very idealistic mm. and we don't want to form part of any block like mm. we were against OTAN NATO NATO and we were so you're part of the were you part of the non-alignment movement exactly yeah yeah with Tito in Yugoslavia so it was kind of that's because uh, I think he is kind of a symbol for Monium for many Argentines because he reflects in some way this Argentinian way of I am not your friend but I am also not your enemy mm. respect me there is a line between us that we don't want this you offer us we don't want that also and yeah. we will build our own way that's like, that's cool man that's yeah. basically the principle of Nam. Yeah, yeah. Non-alignment moment. That's why he had a lot of problems. Uh, With the yeah. United States, I presume. The United States also, yeah. Well, movements... Uh, but I mean, the Soviet Union... Who don't want to support Yeah, helped support these movements, like Che Guevara and so on. But he didn't go full-on communist, did he? No. He, he was, kept he that in the middle. Yes. Mm. So can I just go on a tangent and ask about the period post-World War Two, where a lot of former Nazis chose Argentina as a place to escape from uh, liberated Europe. Why, why do you think they chose Argentina of all places? Because uh, Adolf Eichmann and Joseph Mengele, these were like high-level Nazis who actually moved to Argentina after the World War. And yeah. Adolf Eichmann was actually a child. Like, there's this movie, Ben Kingsley was the actor, where um, they, the Mossad yeah. came to Argentina and arrested him and found him in a small home, arrested him and took him back to Jerusalem. <laughs> yeah. And there's like an interesting, like there's this book by Hannah Arden, have you read it? Banality yeah. of Evil. And the, the, the idea of that is really good. I highly recommend everyone reads that. And it's called Trial in Jerusalem. I think that was the name of the book about Joseph, uh, Adolf Eichmann. And what, what, what makes you think that this happened? And there is one conspiracy theory too that, you know, our boy Hitler got on a U-boat and came to Argentina <laughs> yeah. and he like shaved his mustache off and he's like, I am a <laughs> pork farmer now. <laughs> so what do Argentinians think about that? That part of history I don't know I would say Argentina was the less worst cho uh, choice for let's say these people war criminals not mm -hmm. only war criminals but also German scientists like, uh, like Mengels 
and yeah the, and what would you prefer to go to United States that's, yeah. that's not an option for them I'm saying like you are literally you literally committed the Holocaust I yeah. don't think United States is an option for you but Argentina was an option why was that yeah because Argentina actually was trying to develop uh, uh, its industry uh, and actually was the German scientist that Argentina brought to the country that helped uh, and discover and develop uh, nuclear energy. So you're saying Argentina, the government kind of encouraged that migration of... Yes, for- Argentina helped these scientists uh-huh. escape from not only Germany, but also the Soviet Union, which mm. was uh, almost at the gates of Berlin, right. and the United States. Many of them were to the United States, all the to the Soviet Union, yeah. So every country tried to take a piece of it, right? Of the uh, German industry and the scientists. And knowledge. Mm. So Argentina took a piece, and I guess maybe, maybe just maybe that was part of the deal to bring these war criminals. Who knows? But I do know that this scientist, a German scientist, helped us, helped uh, the Argentinians. Of that time to develop nuclear energy and a lot of uh, military um, technology like uh, this propelled propelled plane propelled plane propelled planes uh, Argentina was the only country in the Americas except for the United States that could develop it mm. so yeah Argentina was but, strong. But- but th- those weren't just scientists. For example, Adolf Inkman, he wasn't a scientist. Yeah. That's what I said. Uh, maybe that's what part of the deal. Okay, you'll, you'll have this scientist, German scientist, but also, I don't know. Some Nazis. Yeah, help him also because, yeah. So, I don't know. So, who knows? Would, so, would there be like descendants of actual Nazis who were Nazi officers in World War Two living in Argentina now? And that's your argument. I mean, Argentina will never get in the war. Mm-hmm. Neutral. It was neutral, but it was kind of an evil neutral. Like, What do you mean? In Argentina, I mean, which were the countries that formed the Axis? Japan, Italy, yeah. Germany, in Romania, Europe, Hungary. In Europe you have Germany, Italy. Spain was a fascist, fascist country. but it wasn't exactly yeah. part of the axis. Yeah, but he, Spain could have been yeah, part of the axis. They actually sent a division hmm. to fight the Soviet Union, the Blue oh, Division. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, and the Nazis helped a Spanish, Spanish government bombing, I don't know which, Guernica. Guernica? Yeah, Guernica is a city, I guess, in... The Basque country. Ah, when the Basque yeah. revolution was happening. So, uh, the three main countries of the Axis were the countries of origin of the majority of mm. the immigrants which were living in Argentina. Spanish, German and Italian. Right. So, what to do? Like, and Coromitavo. Mm-hmm. Peron, Besides that, Peron was like uh, very close to these ideas. He was like kind of, and the militarism. He was a military, 
So I think everything just made yeah, sense. All of these factors contributed. And are there? I, I read like there are German settlements of yeah, and they do have like um, the medals and the uniforms that their grandfathers and forefathers wore during the World War Two. There they, were actually many Italian Argentinians which were part which of were war, which were born in Argentina, but uh, let's say their parents was were uh, Italian or German, and they wanted to go to Europe. Uh-huh. to help their country or the motherland uh-huh. in the effort of like many Argentin- Italian Argentinians go to the world to fight oh that's that's, that's news yeah <laughs> what about the conspiracy theory <laughs> I don't know there is uh, a battle uh, naval battle yeah uh, which is called the battle of the Rio de la Plata to divide us all the ba- interesting thing happened in the yeah, Rio de la Plata. It. Is, I don't know why or how, but suddenly a submarine appeared at the gate of the port of uh-huh. Buenos Aires. When was this? Which year? 45? Uh, yeah, 45. Okay. And uh, I don't know, they got intercepted by uh, some American ships, I guess. Uh-huh. I don't know what happened. The point is that at some point this submarine managed to get to the port uh-huh. and the entire tripulation was like in a protocol uh, in a protocol process I don't know why you can see the photo, the picture and they are like preparing some ceremony for I don't know what so that's why the conspiracy theory about Hitler's coming oh took so much force like what happened in that battle who came right. who they brought but that was definitely a Nazi officer from Europe isn't it it, it might not be Hitler but it's definitely some person who someone served in third Reich someone important mm. I don't know that's uh. why people say Hitler is was hidden in <laughs> Hitler might be like uh, a cowboy <laughs> yeah I mean no. Uh, there were a lot of Germans in yeah. Argentina, so maybe he chose Argentina. Who knows? Who knows, man? That's, that's I would like really. How is it? History has to be really fine in a way if that was true in some case. Now that's interesting. So, one other thing about Argentina, dude. We have been talking so much social politics now, now, man. <laughs> Dude, I don't know. I, I think of all the podcasts I've done, none had so much social politics than this one. And, and we, when we started, we feared it would be all about football. Yeah. But we didn't talk anything about football. It's politics, no. And, and it's all about politics, which is crazy. And conspiracy theories. And conspiracy theories. <laughs> and beef. <laughs> Can I ask one more social political thing, please? Of course. Can you talk about the Falkland Islands? <laughs> how, how do you guys call the Falklands? You call it Mana? Malvinas. Malvinas. So if you say Falklands to an Argentinian, he would correct you and say it's Malvinas, not Falklands. Yeah. Right? What's the scene of the Falklands? What we think is that we uh, inherited these islands from the Spanish Empire. Mm-hmm. So legally, they belong to us. Mm-hmm. And actually, there was a settlement of Argentinians living there 
until the British came and just arrest them. Okay. I don't know if they kill them all, but I maybe they send them back. I don't know. I don't remember actually. But that's the point. Also, I mean, there weren't English. Okay. Living there. Why are English people doing in South America <laughs> so far know. away from England? Was it like um colonial possession? You know, it's like small, it's like very small, right, this island? I mean, the English tried to invade, they actually invade the Rio de la Plata twice. 2000 and... 2000? 18,006, 18,000... So they 18, want to take over the colony? 1806, 1807. So they want to take over the colony, yeah. that's why they invaded. Okay. Uh-huh. After that, after that suspicious, after the failure in invading, Argentina became independent, mm-hmm. and some kind of new domain or colony of the British Empire. Mm-hmm. The British bring, brought everything. So it's kind of suspicious. Mm. Yeah, of course. I don't know. They have interest here uh, in that part of the of the continent. I guess it's related to Antarctica. If you see the map of Antarctica, every piece of land around it is was part of the British Empire or it's Australia, Australia, New Zealand, and the Falklands, South Africa is the furthest part. Furthest part. It is. Yeah, India too. Like we understand them. (laughs) Yeah, so it is kind of Mm. suspicious. Why? I didn't think like that. That's interesting. So they. So but, but, the thing about Antarctica is. Chile has a claim on some parts of Antarctica. Yeah. Argentina also has a claim on some parts of Antarctica. Argentina, actually, in some maps, like it's like a um, triangle of my it. passport. Okay. Yeah. So in the okay, I'll describe the Argentina passport. There's like a small. So there's like the South America continent, and towards the right of it, it's like a small box, and there's part of Antarctica, and there's like a pizza. It's like literally yeah. a pizza piece, which is the territory encompassed in Argentina. So before I started to know about Chile and Argentina, I thought that Antarctica was completely neutral territory and no country could claim territory on it. Yeah. Why does Argentina and Chile have claims on it? Not only Argentina and Chile, also Australia, Great Britain. Mm-hmm. In fact, Great Britain's claim includes territorially. Argentinian claim and Chilean and even further go. Okay. So it's kind of what the, what is happening here? Like they just have this little piece <laughs> of land and they are claiming then almost more entire than Chile and Argentina together. So it's clearly the point. Of what the issue. because of potential mineral resources is that the yeah and. Uh, Geopolitically, I mean, this is the only piece of land that is closer to uh, the main uh, countries of the of the Atlantic. Not only South America, which means resources, but also Europe and the United States. So it, it, so it is a direct platform. And Antarctica? Yeah, and you can go to the Pacific from here. And ah. to the Indic. So isn't this part like completely ice and glaciers and isn't it inhospitable or... No, it's land. It's land? Beneath the, the ice there is land. 
This is a peninsula, actually. So it's like normal land. It's not like it's penguins land. running around chilling yeah. in the ice. Uh-huh. That makes it really valuable land. Isn't it, it? Is. Because and it's all virgin, like yeah. There's nothing there. There's no set like there are small settlements. Dude, this is this is really interesting because I thought from we were taught in school that Antarctica is nobody's land and it's neutral and they're like research stations. That's it. Yeah, I think actually it is. But per international conventions, but countries this, are like, mm, mm. <laughs> like yeah, it's a neutral land, but this is my <laughs> it's politics, of course. Yeah, I don't know. And mm. you're saying Falklands was important for Great Britain so that they could stake claim in Antarctica. That, I guess so, yeah. That's your theory on it. And what happened during the Falklands War? Well, uh, Argentinians just invaded. I think it was a mistake because already were uh, conversations about, I don't know, sharing the sovereignty mm-hmm. of it. But in that time there was a junta and the government, yeah. they were in crisis politically speaking, so they used this war to maintain the people ah. together and supporting the government. Right. So it was a mistake, I guess. It said that the junta thought that America would help Argentina because America... Why? That's kind of, yeah, it's kind usually of stu- America stupid. doesn't. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's the argument. Uh, like there was an a pact, uh, uh, the Pact of Rio de Janeiro, where all American countries agreed to uh, help each other in case of a foreign invasion. I mean, like NATO. What was that? Yeah, some what? kind of NATO, but from the Americas. Uh, Americas. Does that include North America too? Yeah. Okay. All the Americas. So. Argentina thought that by force of this pact, uh, United States being an American country will help Argentina to maintain Britain out from the American continent. In retrospect, that sounds so stupid. In it retrospect. So stupid. Maybe at that time it makes sense. Who knows? But it was uh, Cold War. Mm. I don't know what they thought, but it didn't work. And that's what happened. Argentina invaded and Great Britain answered. And we lost the war. But we kept our claim. That's Still what happened. So to this day, Falkland Island is inhabited by English-speaking people from Great Britain. Yeah, um, about 2,000 people. 2,000 people. Yeah. You gotta be really crazy to live in the Falkland Islands because yeah. it's in the middle of literally nowhere. It's in the ocean. Only Great Britain is like in Europe. You're in. You're closer to Antarctica than to yeah. Europe, right? The Falkland Islands, and I don't know if you're like, if the government asked me, can you go live in an island in the middle of nowhere with a country which is not very friendly to you, and the only connection you have to the home country is so far away that Antarctica is closer to you? I would be like, you have to pay me a lot of money to go live there. Yeah, yeah. That's what actually happens. They. Paid settlers to live in. Yeah. Mm. I mean, of course, it's like kind of help. But, yeah, there's no other way. Someone brought them before they took the islands in the mid 1800s. Mm-hmm. There wasn't any Englishmen. Right. So they were brought. Like, it's it's an implanted uh, yeah. population. 
That's our argument, in fact. Mm. Not only the territorial argument, but also this argument about the, the population, implanted population. They right. don't belong here. Mm. That's what it's interesting. Well, we are almost past two hours. And I'll conclude this. No, we are past two hours. I'll conclude this by showing you, like, how Argentina is revered. I don't know what to say, man. Like, do you know Maradona was in my state? Hmm. So I'll show you. So there's this crazy motherfucker called Bobby Chemenor. So he is um, a rich guy. Who, he's like he's like the Tony Stark of <laughs> um, Kerala. Kerala is my state in India, and he brought Maradona in, and he started a jewelry business with Maradona. Really? Yeah. And this guy is fucking rich, and he's fucking crazy. And he's like he dresses only in this white bullshit. And he donates blood, goes on runs. He's like a fake Tony Stark. And he brought in Maradona. Like, I think really? the 2010s. And he came to my state. I was too young to go see Maradona. But it was an epic event. <laughs> and so many people went there. And Maradona was like juggling the ball and shit. And see, like, this is one. This used to be one of the hottest girls in the TV business there, and Diego being Diego, and it was insane, man. Uh, Maradona see. being Maradona. Maradona being Maradona. <laughs> let's see if I can find a video of that. Mm. And it was... I was too young, I wish I could have gone, but I couldn't. I'm kind of sad about that, because Maradona passed away this year. Mm. And let's see if we can... Yeah... Yeah, this is oh it. Oh my god, look at that crowd. <laughs> yeah, look at the crowd, man. Dude, that's what I'm saying. Argentina and Argentine football in particular is so popular in, in my state in India that it's... If, for example, I see more people support Argentinian football team than I see people support the Indian football team. <laughs> oh my god. Honestly, I'll show you. Um, Argent... We have even a movie for Argentina fans. It's called Argentina fans Katurkado. Uh, and I'll tell you a little bit what I know about it. First time that football was broadcast in India was in 1986, the first World Cup. And oh. Diego was on fire that World Cup. So yeah. my father, maybe I think my father and his generation, so for them that is football, Diego. And the Brazil team of that time and Argentina time were the best. So everyone started loving this team. You made a movie. Great. Dude, it's crazy, man. Oh, I, I, Brazil. And Brazil. These are like the two of the high, most supported teams in uh, Kerala. And during the time of World Cup or Copa America, if you come to Kerala, you find in every street something of uh, uh, an Argentine flag, all the players listed like that, and you find it for Brazil, and all the kids in every street corner wears an Argentine jersey. It's crazy, because in Kerala, even our cricket team doesn't get this kind of support. Football team definitely doesn't get this kind of support. Oh but Argentina is like, they see some Paulis there, the entire team is there. And it's, it gets kind of violent, man. So if oh there's God. like one village, 
half will be in Brazil, half will be Argentina, and we're like, yo, we'll see you in the semi. And really? if Argentina loses, all the Brazil fans go <laughs> to them Brazil. and tear down the banners, oh make sure they made fun of, pour paint on them. <laughs> It is crazy, man. I, I highly recommend, if you can, come to Kerala during World Cup and see what happens. Did the welcome to Maradona when he came to Kerala in the early uh, 2010s, I believe. And it is crazy. That's how much Argentina is. And during the World Cup, every corner, like I told you, right? I saw more Marx and uh, Che Guevara than Gandhi yeah. growing up. I saw more Maradona and Messi <laughs> in every street corner right. than, let's say, our legends like Sachin Tendulkar or who are football legends like Sunil Chetri growing up, which is crazy. And every time I see an Argentina fan, I tell them like, bro, you have to come to Kerala and experience it. Uh, let's see if I can find a video and just finish it off like Argentina. Uh, Sorry, I have to tell my friends about it. Dude, I, I, it's, I, dude it's, it's so crazy. weird. You know what? Because Kerala is like a small state in the, um, this part of India. And the amount of fans... Dude, there's even a song in my language for, for supporting Argentina fans. I find it really... How do you say it? It's not a very good song, but you have to kind of check it out. Di Maria. Yeah, Dibala. Sing something. Uh, not Thank much. <laughs> you can read the Spanish, right? Yeah, yeah. That's so cute, man. This, this, that's the thing. So I, so I, being me, always go counterculture. I supported Germany. So everyone was like, <laughs> my generation oh. are like, fuck you, Argentina, fuck you, Brazil. I'm going Europe. <laughs> so, and I did like in 2014 one. So dude, this happens during the World Cup. And it's crazy. See, you're pouring milk on Messi. So in Indian, at least in South India, I don't know about North, when you pour milk on an idol, that's like worshipping oh. him. So that's what they're doing right now. They're pouring milk on Messi. What do you think of this? What's, what's your impression? You're more Argentinian than us. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, oh my God. It's so weird and great at the same time. Yeah. It's like, oh my God. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I, we are I more Argentinian. You, I love you. Yeah, you should <laughs> definitely come. Dude, if we say, because very few Argentinians come to Kerala. So if you say, come, if you come there and say, I'm from Argentina, they're going to be like, oh my God, do you <laughs> know Lionel Messi? Me. Yeah, <laughs> they're going to throw milk on me. <laughs> and they're going to be like, do you know Messi? Oh. Like, could you, could you, get, could you like send me Messi? I want to DM him what's happening. <laughs> that's going to be the sort of shit that's going to happen. And you got, your name is Pablo too. So you're going to be like, oh, oh. do you know Escobar? <laughs> <laughs> And you're gonna have a lot of, you're gonna have an amazing time. Absolutely. And our, our meat is good. Our meat is good. I'm not saying it's Argentine, but you should try our meat too. And yeah, and you can like dance with these Argentina fans. <laughs> definitely It's, have to go. You definitely have to come to India, man. And you have to see for yourself how much 
like how much we love football. That that you told we are more intense than you. <laughs> we are socialists. We love our beef yeah. and we love football. Yeah, we, we are. Yeah, we are twin people. We are twin people. Yeah, and do you know like there is this football school? I'm not very. I need to fact check this. But there's this football school in Northern Kerala. They actually get signed jerseys and signed balls from the Argentine national team because they are like so much big of a fan association, which is crazy because the rest of India is not like this. The rest of India is like. We watch a few games, but in Kerala we just go crazy for the shit. Awesome. And I, I, I kind of felt the same when I was in the World Cup, and I saw the Iceland versus Argentina game. One one was the score, and like I told you, like I learned the chant. Ole 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 ole. Classic. Yeah, and I really want to go to Argentina, man. I, I hope I can live in. Oh shit! This. Did I tell you this? One Argentina fan actually killed himself when Argentina got eliminated against Croatia in 2018. Oh God, really? Dude, that's crazy shit, yeah, man. That's crazy. I don't think in Argentina that might happen, but why is a guy in <laughs> India killing himself? Yeah. Unfortunate as it is, killing himself when Argentina got eliminated. It oh actually God. happened. That's the level of craziness we have yeah. for the country, and I don't know. Oh I, I, I kind of find that beautiful. Not. Not yeah, the suicide part, but the amount of emotion that we have for a country right. that plays football in a different continent, even though we are nothing in common, you don't speak the same language. Most Indians won't meet an Argentine person in their life, but still, because of the football, there's that much of connection, which I find really beautiful. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. And I hope that, I hope, I, I really want to live in Buenos Aires for some part of my life, because it's a really Definitely. fascinating city for me, and I hope I can do that. And you should definitely come down to Kerala and celebrate with these Brazil and Argentina fans. And right. I hope you can do that too. Well, well, I, I think, I don't know, I don't know. I don't think there's a better way to conclude this. And I want to say thank you for your time. Our discussions yeah, were very geopolitical and yeah. I learned a lot from it. And since you study international relations, I can like talk about that. And I'm quite happy that we were able to do that. And... Uh, um, it, I know it's a, it, today that we record a podcast a bit late at 8 because both of us <laughs> had to schedule our time like that and I'm so happy that you could make it even though you're a little bit tired and the mate and coffee <laughs> yeah. helped with that. Mate helps. Mate helps, man. So thank you so much, Pablo. It's been yeah, a pleasure. Thanks to you and I appreciate it. Both. You're welcome. I'm looking forward to go to your city and yes. watch it myself. My state, Kerala. Yeah. Yes, and you're always welcome to Kerala. Argentine people are always welcome to Kerala. Socialism, beef, and football. <laughs> and you can try our version of Mate too. It's called right. Chaya. Well, with that, we end the 11th episode of Machan vs. the World podcast. Okay, I'm going to try to say that in Spanish. Con esta nos finalermos. How do you say 11? 11. 11 episodio de podcasta Machan. Protiv, how do you say versus? Contra. Machan contra uh, Mundial. Oh no, Mundial. Mundial means world, right? Mundial means world. Yeah, Machan Protiv. My podcast called Machan versus the world. Oh. <laughs> okay, thank you.